0: As Pastor said, my name is Pastor Kevin Hundley. It's a privilege to be with you today. I served in parish ministry for about 17 years, and now I've served in the capacity I'm in now for about four. Uh, I'm a Christian giving counselor for the Southeastern Wisconsin District, which is a fancy way of saying I go around to people who hold up the prophet's hands uh, to say thank you on behalf of our church body. Uh, to people and congregations who, through their prayers and through their gifts, support the work that we are doing around the world uh, in Jesus' name. A lot of congregations outside of our church body circles tend to have maybe one mission that they support, Uh, but today, before we're we're done, I'm going to tell you a little bit about all of the support that your prayers and your gifts are offering to the work not only being done in this corner of the kingdom, but also around the world in Jesus' name. So that's what I'm hoping you get a glimpse of today. But we're going to do that through the context of the gospel lesson that's printed for you in your service folder. And we're going to take a look at that. So a lesson from Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, John the baptizer, he, went, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake, the Sea of Galilee, in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Matthew wants to show this is in fulfillment of prophecy. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, Beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, these next couple verses are what we're going to hone in on this morning, 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, And their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. This is God's word. On first hearing of that section of the gospel, it tends to sound like just a history lesson, right? Jesus is starting his public ministry... He's a traveling rabbi going through Israel, and it was customary that a rabbi in that day had disciples, so he's just putting his mission team together, going and and grabbing guys to be a part of his inner circle and his team. At least that's what it seems like to us at first reading, and to us we kind of just glaze over that, like, well, that makes sense, It's it's very practical, now he's getting his team together and we move on. We had a a professor in college that made a big impact on a lot of pastors in this church body, and he reminded us, gentlemen, the Holy Spirit didn't spill ink just for no reason. There's something there. Chew on that. There's something shocking, something that's there to get your attention. And so today, I want to take the section that you might have heard of or read through Numerous times, just thought, oh, Jesus is calling his first disciples—big deal—and have you walk away today, going, "Wow, that's a that's a huge deal about how he did that, and the implications that has for our life today." Because in Jewish culture and in Jewish J, if if anybody saw what Jesus was doing, they would saying they would say he's doing it all wrong. He doesn't know what he's doing. And for you to really understand that, I need to have you step away from this time and place for a moment and travel with me back to Jesus' time and day and culture to kind of hear a little bit about how young people became disciples in that culture. So imagine you're in Jewish culture, and this is great for the kids. Imagine you're starting school. And in that culture, in that day, you would go to the synagogue for school. And it started at about age six. And at age six, your job, the whole school, was about memorizing the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Memorized back and forth no tv no espn no cell phones they might be able to focus a little bit right they go to school and they would memorize how god wants us to live how he wants us to eat what he wants us to do we talk about this being the old testament law in that day they talked about it as the way This is the way God wants us to act. This is the way God wants us to be because we are his children. And so every Israelite boy and girl from age six to age 10 went to synagogue school to memorize God's word so that they could carry it around in their head for life. Talk about living and breathing God's word, right? For some kids, that was the end of their formal education for the sharp cookies, for the best of the best students, for the kids who are really gifted, they would continue on to the next level of study. And that level of study was called Beit Talmud, the house of learning. Part of that study, from age 10 to about age 14, was learning two things. Remember when Jesus was age 12 and they found him at the temple and and what was he doing? He was plying questions and answers back and forth with the religious leaders of the day. That was kind of part of this next wave of study. Learning this whole question and answer thing that the rabbis did as they taught people. We kind of have that in our culture today too with Luther's catechism a book that's based on questions, and here's what Scripture says about that, and here are the answers. But the other thing that those kids would do is they would memorize the rest of the Old Testament to the point where if the rabbi called out a passage, those kids, the best of the best, the really sharp cookies, would be able to tell the rabbi, here's the stuff that came before that passage and here's the stuff that came after that passage. That's how well they knew God's word, back and forth, all in their head. And again, so you're dealing with people in a culture that live and breathe God's word. And then the best of the best of the best, the really sharp cookies... Those young men would continue their study in something called Beit Talmud, or basically, Captain um, got to know on the other side what that meant. Beit Midrash, the house of study. It's the last course that they would go through. and that course, they basically would go and find a rabbi, a, t- a teacher, that they respected, that the job of the rabbi was to go around the Jewish community and tell people, here's what God's word says to us about how we are to live and how we are to act and what we are to do. And one of those students would go find a rabbi that they respected and they would go to the rabbi and say, Rabbi, I want to be one of your disciples. Now, we've always been taught that means I want to be one of your students. But really in that culture, it meant more than that. Instead of just wanting to know a bunch of stuff as a student, what being a disciple in that culture really meant was, I want to know what you know, Rabbi, so that I can do what you do. Because ultimately, that's what I want. I want to be a clone of you. I want to perpetuate your memory and your teaching. I want to do what you do. So teach me to be you. And so the rabbi would take that kid aside, that 14 or 15-year-old kid, and he'd ply him with a whole bunch of questions. Does this kid know the Old Testament? Does this kid know how to do that whole question and answer thing? Does that kid know God's word back and forth? Do I think this kid has what it takes to be just like me to perpetuate my teaching? And a teaching of a rabbi was called his yoke. This is the way he interprets scripture. This is the way that his memory will be perpetuated. And for some kids, they would go through that whole process and the rabbi would look them in the eye and say, Son, obviously you love the Lord. You know God's word pretty well. But I encourage you to go home, learn your family's trade, go and get married, have children, so that someday one of those kids can become a rabbi because you're not cut out for this and you can't be my disciple. But to the chosen few, to the best of the best, to the elite, to the really sharp cookies, a rabbi would say, come, follow me, take my yoke upon you because that rabbi thought, you can do what I do, you can be just like me. Now take that whole thing that you just learned and overlay it over Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is doing everything wrong according to that culture. Who are these guys he's calling to follow him? Guys that somewhere along the line might have been on this course of study and might have gone all the way to going to follow a rabbi and that rabbi had to tell him, Son, you're not cut out for this. That's why those guys were out fishing and not following a rabbi. Somewhere along the line, they were told, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You can't do this. And here's a rabbi coming to these guys and not putting them through a test, not asking them a bunch of questions. He just comes up and says, hey, come follow me. And what is he saying by that? He's saying, I think you can do what I do. I think you can be just like me. Come and follow me. And maybe that's why you've always wondered in this section of Scripture, why would those guys leave everything to follow Jesus? Their careers, their business, their their families. Because here's a rabbi that stepped into their life and said, you're good enough for me. You can be just like me. And every good little Jewish boy was going to jump at the chance to follow a rabbi what does this have to mean for you jesus decided to step into your life at your baptism and he said come follow me and there was no test there was no checking if you were good enough to be on his team because everybody knows and god knows you weren't God has a way of picking the not good enoughs, the lost causes, the, the good for nothings. And he says, I want you to be on my team. And that's what we call grace. Love that we didn't deserve or earn, but God says, you need it. <laughs> you desperately need it, so I'm going to give it to you. And that's the life of the church, right? God picks the, the, the B team the, the JV, the, the not good enoughs, the, the ones who, who aren't cut out for this. And he says, yeah, you're going to be on my team. Take my yoke upon you because my burden is light. I'm going to do everything it takes for you to be just like me. And through water and through wafer and through wine, God steps into your life and he says, here, receive me so that you can be one with me and then go out and be my hands and my mouth and my feet to this world as you go out and share me with others. That's what your church stands for. That's what this whole thing's all about. For God to step into your life and say, I have a message for you that you desperately need to hear because I have gifts for you that you desperately need And I'm going to fill you to the brim with those gifts so that you can go out and share them with others who need to hear about those things too. And not only do you do that at this corner of the kingdom, here in in this community, but you are a partner with how that work is being done all around the world. And so on behalf of your brothers and sisters in Christ and people you might never meet on this side of, of heaven, I'm here to tell you thank you. Thank you for your prayers, thank you for your gifts, thank you for your offerings, thank you for your efforts that help proclaim Christ both here and around the world so that more can be filled with that message. Might not know this, you might know this. uh, Last year, your congregation gathered about $248,000 for the Lord's work here in your midst. And then you thought about it and prayed about it and turned around as a congregation. You said, we want to share a portion of those gifts with uh, the, the, the worldwide work of the church body that we're a part of. And so you, you basically tithed your gift. Ten percent went to the work of the church. And there's many congregations much bigger than your size who are striving to get there. And you guys are leading the way and saying, hey, we can do this. So thank you very much for those prayers and those gifts. And I'm here to tell you, as we wrap up this morning, just a little glimpse of of what of what those gifts are doing. Um, it, it, I'm really the warm-up act for for the guys who are coming later today. Shannon, who's here, is is here to tell you about mission journeys. And and Sean is more than just the treasurer. Uh, I can see how how. Dustin might say that because Sean helps congregations like you go through your budgets and figure out what kind of help the synod can offer you. But he's really the, the operations head of our church body when it comes to missions, getting people, missionaries here in the United States and in the world, the things that they need to help them do the work that they do on our behalf. So these guys are worth coming to hear uh, what they have to say after church, so I hope that you come and do that. But world mission-wise, you are supporting right now about 44 different missionaries that are working in 40 different countries around the world, and they're working in about 14 more prospective mission fields in the hope that they can do new work in, in more countries. Uh, our, our tiny church body is doing some amazing things around the world by God's grace you are supporting right now uh, work that's going on in refugee camps in Ethiopia and Kenya to South Sudanese refugees in Africa you're supporting Bush congregations in Zambia and Malawi you're helping Christians in a uh, 99% Muslim country in Pakistan uh, be able to, to share Christ in their country as well as other secret house churches that are meeting in southeast asia your congregation might have talked about the new developments in vietnam as we're working with about a hundred thousand Hmong people as they share christ in their country as well as you're supporting spanish-speaking websites that have had over a million unique visitors something called academia cristo that has contacts throughout central and south america you're you're supporting home mission congregations too We have about 1,200 congregations across the country, about 120 of them are home mission congregations as they share Christ in their community, like the new one that just started in Joplin, Missouri, or Reno, Nevada. The whole mission congregation that's reaching out in las vegas nevada that has a really neat situation they're reaching out to their their neighbors and on one side of them there's korean speakers and on another side of them in another neighborhood is african immigrants you're helping take christ to college campuses through wells campus ministries you're helping 1500 future gospel ambassadors right now as they prepare to be the next wave of pastors or teachers in our church body at our ministerial education schools, our, our high schools of ministry, our prep schools like Michigan Lutheran Seminary in Saginaw, Michigan, or Luther Prep in Watertown, Wisconsin. The vast majority of those kids go on to Martin Luther College in New Orleans, Minnesota, about 740 kids up on that campus, excuse me. And then we have about 120 guys at at Mequon, Wisconsin, at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. As those graduates from the seminary and the college get ready to be the next wave of pastors and teachers helping harvest souls both here and around the world for the kingdom. So on behalf of those folks that you help afford school and get through school, thank you too. The list really could go on and on today. 500-some elementary schools across the country throughout our church body. Uh, You support marriage retreats and youth rallies. You support worship conferences and the the things we're doing to support 80,000 prisoners as they're incarcerated, but they're served by Wells Prison Ministries across the country, not to mention what we do for our military personnel both here and around the world. All this and more is being done in your name and through your prayers and through your gifts. So on behalf of your brothers and sisters in Christ, thank you for holding up those those prophets' hands and thank you for the the efforts and the time and the gifts that you're offering so that the gospel might be proclaimed around the world in your name. To support uh, those efforts and to assist you, if you'd like more information about any mission work or ministry that we do as a church body, I'm an information resource to you. If your heart is, is led to want to know more information or, or maybe support those works outside of what you're doing as a congregation, I'm here to assist you with that. I have a partner in the area that also helps with wills and estate plans if you need some of those services as you prepare to, to use God's gifts to take care of your family and your church family when you go home to heaven. But uh, we are here to serve your needs, and I especially encourage you to stick around and hear what, what Sean and uh, what Shannon have to say about the mission work that's going on. They're going to dive down deep into the, the neat things going on in the kingdom uh, that you get to be a part of. I really didn't need to preach today. You saw a sermon right up here as... Holly, I think was her name. Molly, thank you. Very, Molly. Got to get your name right. Yes, Molly uh, was doing her best, and then Dad showed up to say, "Honey, it's going to be okay." That's what God does for us. Uh, God shows up and says, "Hey, you're you're part of." me and my kingdom, and it's going to be okay. I'm here to comfort you and guide you and help you and, and fill you up with the things that you need so that you can pour them out, as she did today through her song, uh, for the sake of the kingdom. And so thank you for unwittingly giving us a sermon about that, but that's, that's really what, what it's all about and what you're doing as God comes to fill you up with his blessings so that you might go out and share them in this community And through your prayers and through your efforts, ultimately around the world, through the work of your church body. So thank you. May God continue to bless you so that you might continue to be a blessing for his work, both here in this corner of the kingdom and around the world. So to him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen.